At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, necessary, forward, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we have made it, not only to Friday, happy Friday, by the way, but we have concluded the NBA draft, and we know the direction the Bulls have gone in. So now we have a lot to discuss with one player and what kind of impact that player in Dalen Terry can have and present to this organization. We'll talk plenty about that here on the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bat Rivers. I'm Danny Burke, your host. Remember, you can always follow along on Twitter at Danny Burke 5. How are we feeling about that pick? Kind of uh kind of took you by surprise, right? Almost like some of the other Bulls picks in the past, maybe like a Jimmy Butler, you didn't know who he was as much. Some of these other guys who have panned out fairly well. You got to trust the process, like we say. If they like him, they're putting their resources into drafting him. And based off of what Terry said, which we'll get to in a second, I'm feeling all right with the pick. Feeling all right with it. Are you feeling all right with Chicago baseball right now? The answer is a pretty obvious no. The White Sox are given a little hope, but what happened last night wasn't ideal. Falling 4 nothing to the Orioles. Great opportunity tonight, though, on the south side. We'll talk about that. We'll preview the Cubs' new series in Bush Stadium against the Cardinals. How are the Cubs going to fare after losing three out of four to the Pirates? Does it get any better against the Cardinals? Eh, we'll see. Probably not, but we'll see. Part two of this episode, we got a special guest joining us. Chicago native himself now resides in Las Vegas, my friend Chuck Esposito. He is joining the show. Tons of bookmaking experience, sportsbook director at the station casinos out there in Las Vegas. He's 
was a partner of mine, co-host when we were doing Bet on Chicago when I was broadcasting live out of Sin City. And it's been a little bit since we've talked with Chuck. So I'm pumped to get his thoughts on all things Chicago right now, see how he's doing, his thoughts for the Bears this season. And he's a diehard Cubs fan. We'll see what he thinks they're going to do toward the All-Star break. And just, you know, all the intricacies of bookmaking and setting odds and how much attention the Cubbies and other Chicago teams get out there in Sin City. So really excited to talk with Chuck. Again, that'll be in part two of this episode, so make sure you stick around for the whole thing. All right, really quick, a Danny's Dimes recap. We got a win we probably didn't deserve, but I call that a makeup for losing the Twins game the night prior, where Minnesota lost two consecutive leads of three and four runs, respectively. Well, we had the Yankees on the money line, minus 121, and uh, it was a three-run homer for the Astros, a three-run homer for the Yankees, and then another three-run homer for the Astros. And then Hicks ties it up with a three-run homer. And then the front-runner for AL MVP, Aaron Judge, comes through with the game-winning single in a crazy, crazy game. And did you expect anything less? And we cash in, luckily, fortunately, on the Yankees. Money line brings us to, I believe, 41 uh, let me double check. 41, 33, and 1, I believe, is our Major League Baseball record. 41, 34, and 1. That's what we got. So, yeah, hell of a comeback by the Yanks. The ebbs and flows of baseball. Feel for you if you had the Astros. And I mean that. I, You know, I'm happy that I won our my bet and that we won our bet if you followed New York in terms of our play for rush hour. But I get it. You know, that's what kills you about baseball. Those type of games where you're blowing a lead like that. But it is what it is. It'll pan out in the end, you hope at least. Knock on wood. But yeah, so uh, we hit our loan bet last night. And then the other excitement last night, of course, revolved around the NBA draft. Arizona wing, Dalen Terry, the 18th overall pick in the 2022 draft, is who your Chicago Bulls selected. Did you think that's who they were going to take? Let's be honest, probably not. But it's one of those things where you kind of scratch your head and you go, really? And then you read more about it, what the front office had to say, what he had to say, and you're like, all right, I can get behind it. Now, that's honestly going to happen with any draft pick. You got to get some optimism behind the guy, but you could kind of see through the BS sometimes. And I remember, you know, I couldn't put a, a name to a face or a face to a name, whatever way you want to call it, originally. And then I saw a picture. I was like, oh, I remember this guy. Yep, I remember some of the games throughout the tournament. This dude was awesome. And it's not like he was Matherin. He wasn't the guy in Arizona scoring all these points. But he was setting him up very nicely. He was bringing the energy, pumping his guys up, being a huge defensive force. And that's why the Bulls picked him out. That's why the Bulls loved him. And honestly, I was looking through some of his highlights this morning. And I was like, yeah, I could see why. I could definitely see why. Call me a homer. Call me biased, whatever you want to say it. I Again, I had my sights set on different guys for them to pick, and Dalen wasn't even on my list. But look, I'm not, I wasn't that familiar with this whole draft class aside from some of the top guys, right? And then again, like I was saying, after I saw Dalen Terry's picture, I was like, yep, I remember this guy. I could see why he would fit into the mold of this Bulls team. He's 6'7", folks. He's very versatile. And he said that himself when they interviewed him. And Mark Eversley, GM of the Bulls, said the same thing. He said he's going to bring versatility on both ends of the floor. He's got a 7'1 wingspan. 
Last year, he averaged eight points per game, 1.2 steals per game, four assists, five rebounds, 36% shooting from deep. He received Pac-12 All-Defensive Honors for the 2021-2022 season, and we'll hope that can translate onto the floor. So it's not a guy you're going to rely on for scoring. Maybe more of a Io DeSumo type of dude who can really play a lot more positions and provide some depth, hopefully, in the bigger regions of the floor and really push it on fast breaks, which we know is going to be the mentality and mindset of this Bulls team, which you saw at the heart of last season when Lonzo Ball and Caruso were playing and everybody was healthy. That's where they thrived, and that's what Dalen Terry can contribute to in that specific region. Now, what does that mean for guys like a Javante Green, Derek Jones Jr.? Maybe they're out of here, like we've been saying. I don't know. Again, you're kind of added a guy who's of this similar type of style, but hopefully you can develop into more of a score. And honestly, you know, I used to look at these stats a lot of times, maybe not for guys like Dalen Terry as much, but even top scores, and you're like, man, only 14 points per game. How is that going to be doing whatever in the NBA? And you look at Dalen Terry, you're like, only eight points per game? Well, the difference is you're working with these professional trainers and coaches almost every single day for upteen hours. They get insanely better and he even said it he needs to work on his perimeter shooting and he needs to put on some muscle and both of those things are attainable going into your first year in the NBA because that's all you're going to work on the versatility comes with your natural athleticism and size the defense comes with heart and effort all right now Eversley also had to say it's going to help out when it comes to switching ball screens and guarding multiple positions from point guards to small forwards. On offense, the Bulls will push Terry to lead fast break charges with his uh, when his defensive activity helps create such opportunities. Furthermore, he goes on to say he's not just a guard. He's not just a wing. It's going to take some time. He's going to need to develop, but I think I envision him long term to be more wing than he is guard. He just brings an energy and a vibe that I think is going to fit very well. Within this gym, Eversley said he competes, he plays hard, he brings energy, and I think he's going to be a great fit. And I think there was another comment, something when they called him, and he's like, yeah, I'll literally run to the United Center to start working out right now. Something that, you know, you want to hear your guy saying, get excited about. Terry said himself, he says, those are things I can do every day, set of his defense and versatility. I believe also that my energy, my leadership, my grit, all of those things that make me who I am are going to keep me in this position. He's saying all the right things. Eversley's saying all the right things to defend a guy that he drafted. Trying to pull up really quick some other quotes that were pretty good. Immediately after he was picked. And what did he say? Oh, so he goes, Sean Hyken uh, tweeted this out actually. So this was June 15th. And then Casey Johnson quote tweeted it saying Dalen Terry has spoken. But he said, uh, Sean Hyken tweeted saying, Dalen Terry, I'm being projected as a late first rounder. And then Dalen said, there's going to be a redraft in 10 years and it's going to be different. And then apparently Casey Johnson tweeted this saying, Dalen Terry said he called his agent after he worked out for the Bulls and said, that's where I want to be. Said he envisions fitting in with the Bulls well. Dalen Terry on if he'll remember who was picked before him. Yes, sir. I remember everybody already. They keep talking about his energy and versatility. The good thing about that 
and not being a high pick per se is you don't have the highest expectations, but if there's a way that you can impact the game immediately, it's by doing what apparently he's exactly going to do, which is versatility, defense, switching on screens, pushing the ball in fast break. Those are things you don't have to necessarily perfect as a rookie in terms of skill. Those are things you can just have by energy, heart, and determination, like an Io DeSumo, right? We're not expecting Terry to go out there and score double-digit points. Hell, if he can, that's amazing. But if he can get, honestly, even around eight points a game, but you're getting those steals, those rebounds, playing good defense, and setting up your teammates, that's all you need him to do. But what does this also tell you about the Bulls? Well, they pretty much said that, yeah, there were options on the table for trades and to move up and to move down, but nothing was really appealing. And when you get a guy like that, maybe someone who's not as lethal of a scorer, I think that tells you, one, yes, they're doing all they can to bring Levine back, and Zach will be back in the mix. That seems apparent to me and to a lot of people. Two, they are going to acquire more people in the offseason to help contribute to scoring because, well, they need to. And three, they are very willing to trading whoever to get a good deal if the deal is right, but clearly it wasn't right last night. So yes, they still need to get perimeter shooting. They still need to get a big guy. They will get a big guy. But who will they dish off to get that and or to get those perimeter shooters? Again, I'm thinking if you're bringing in a young guy like Terry, you don't need a Derrick Jones Jr. He can suffice in that role. Heck, maybe they even dish dish out the Javante Green. Not that I want them to per se, but do you need him? If Terry can be a great player like that, Kobe White's got to go. I mean, that's what you're thinking. He doesn't have to go unless he's going to be a great shooter, but the jury's out big time on that. Nevertheless, aside from all of this, folks, if you don't know how to feel, you should feel excited. From the small amount that I watched Dalen Terry play, that was enough for me to go, man, this guy's awesome to watch. And to have him on your team, I think he's going to bring... And not to just repeat what they're saying, but honestly, a boatload of energy. And he will do the gritty work that you need and want to see that helps shape a team into a championship contending squad. You need that guy. But you also need scoring if you're Chicago. So the job isn't even close to being done yet. But another piece has been added to the puzzle to solving the Bulls path to getting to the championship. Let's hope it can happen quickly. So I'm pumped about it. I'll be content with it. You like when the guy says, yeah, they're going to be doing a redraft. And I'm sure everyone says that, but I can see it. In terms of impact and expectations, yeah, this kid's ceiling is going to be fairly solid and attainable. And early on. Kind of surprised with how it went down. How about just all the mayhem with Paulo Boncaro going number one? So what happened was overnight... The odds completely shifted. Jabari Smith was pretty much the favorite the whole time. And then some rumors came about and the betting markets just completely altered. And then Boncaro was the favorite. And then Woj came out, tweeted, nah, it's probably going to be the order of what we expected being Smith, Holmgren, and then Boncaro. So they, they went back to normal. And I was on Rush Hour and talking with Josh Applebaum and he got Smith at minus 105. I feel for you, buddy. That's tough. Because guess what? Then he was minus 450 when we were talking about Jabari Smith. He was minus 450. And then, as I'm getting to my last segment of Rush Hour last night, I refresh the page. 
And now Jabari Smith went to like minus 835. All but solidified to be the number one pick. And then Woj tweets out, nope, there is a real chance that Boncaro is going to go numero uno to the Orlando Magic. Wow. Crazy night in betting. That'll make your month or that'll make you rip your hair out. But that was wild. Honestly, out of those three guys, I don't know incredibly too much about Jabari Smith. Didn't watch him that much. But Boncaro to me just seems like he's going to pan out to be one of those. And not just, I don't want to label him just as a Duke guy, but we've seen it happen with Duke guys before. But more importantly, just a guy who's, yeah, probably the most ready immediately. But long term will end up just being a above average guy. Jabari Smith probably has a slightly higher ceiling, but I'm not going to vouch for him too much on that. More importantly, though, I think Chet Holmgren has the highest ceiling by far. And that would have been my number one pick. Unless you're in a win-now mode and you want some immediate scoring with Smith and or Boncaro. But obviously with the Rockets and the Magic, you don't have that. Maybe you think you'd do with the Magic. Who knows? But I think Boncaro will just... I don't... I don't know if I see him being an all-star, maybe like a one-time all-star. Who knows? But Holmgren, again, I think has the highest chance of consistent success in this league. You're not going to get it immediately out of him, but he's a guy who can develop an OKC, good spot to do so. Hell of a lot of draft picks in OKC. It's actually unbelievable. So maybe in 20 years, they'll be great. Nah, but uh, they'll be all right. They'll be a fun young team to watch play. A lot of these teams will now. How about the Pistons? Woo! Getting Jaden Ivey. We talked about that. Him and Keegan Murray, they did flip-flop. The value ended up being there with Murray in the under five and a half hit. He goes to the Kings, does Murray. And Ivey slides to the Pistons. Detroit fans were elated. Sacramento, people are thinking their bad luck will continue for taking Keegan Murray. I think Keegan Murray will be fine. I think both will be solid. And it wasn't even me saying which one's better. It was just seeing what the betting market had the sentiment of feeling toward those two guys. And what the realistic chances of that occurring was. So hopefully you got a little piece of that. But if not, at the very least, hopefully you are excited for your NBA team and what they did last night. I'm excited for the Bulls. But more importantly, I'm excited to see what they do this offseason. Big moves need to happen. Okay, let's switch over to baseball before we take a break and talk with our guy Chuck Esposito. We've got some Cubs baseball tonight. At Bush Stadium, taking on the Cardinals. The Cubbies lost 8-7 yesterday in 10 innings. They dropped 3 out of 4 in that series at Pittsburgh. On the other side, the Cardinals split a 4-game series at Milwaukee. Wind's blowing in a little bit, 7 miles per hour. But it is a relatively hotter day down in St. Louis. You're getting a pitching matchup of good old Kyle Hendricks. The former professor... Now he's more just the advisor. I don't even know if that's a good thing to call him because I don't know what you call him with his numbers he has right now. Is advisor too good of a too good of a title? He's definitely not a professor. Two and six, five forty-three ERA, five nineteen FIP, fourteen point three percent home run to fly ball ratio, four sixty-four Sierra, and a one thirty-five WHIP. Look, we all love Kyle Hendricks. And I love him in the sense that I can either fade him or just stay away from him. I know what to do when Kyle Men- uh, Kyle Hendricks is pitching. And I appreciate him for that. And I appreciate him for what he has done in the past and what he is still trying to do. But let's be honest with ourselves. He's not that guy. 
You're not that guy, pal, right? The meme. You're not that guy, Kyle. Sorry. If you don't get it, you'll have to look it up. Otherwise, you won't know what I'm talking about. Uh, on the road, Kyle Hendricks, 5.81 ERA, 367 Woba, and a 575 FIP, considerably worse on the road is Kyle Hendricks. Now, Hendricks actually pitched decent against the Cardinals last year, but we know that he's taken a step back even more so this year. Cardinals seem to have better bats this time around. They're hitting fairly well against righties in general, but even better at home versus righties. They got a 724 OPS, a 281 BABIP, a 318 WOBA, and a 112 WRC+. The Cubbies are going to be taking on a righty, Andre Pallante. So he's been a uh, unique guy to watch this year. Only started three games. He's kind of been from a converted reliever for the Cardinals. And he has started three games, but here are his overall numbers this year. He's 2-2 two and two with a 169 ERA, a 4.02 FIP, a 12.5% home run to fly ball ratio, a 93% left on base percentage. But granted, that helps when you're a reliever. Uh, 3.8 walks per nine innings pitched, 398 Sierra, 134 whip. At home, his numbers have been better. 205 ERA, 30, uh, 319 Woba, 390 FIP. At Chicago, when four innings pitched, four hits, one earned run, two Ks, eight ground balls. So he did really well against the Cubs. A little bit of an unknown commodity, as I like to say. But you do know what you're getting with Kyle Hendricks, and that's probably him giving up a lot of runs. Cubbies against righties, 709 OPS, 300 BABIP, 313 WOBA, and a 99 WRC+. We know the Cubs' bullpen is in shambles, 4.70 ERA and a whip of 134. Cardinals' bullpen is better, 3.69 ERA and a whip of 1.25. Where did I open this at? Well, you know my thoughts on Kyle Hendricks, and I feel like everybody's got similar thoughts on the Cubs in general, so you know that the Cardinals were a favorite, but how big? I put a minus 155, and I put the Cubbies at plus 140, and a total at 8.5. When I put at 8.5, that's my way of saying could go either way wouldn't shock me. <laughs> and you look at Bet Rivers, they opened up the total at 9, so maybe a little bit higher scoring is what they're thinking, and I get it. Kyle Hendricks could probably give up five or six easily, and the Cubs can at least do enough to push it over. So they opened at nine. They opened up the Cardinals minus 161, so I was six cents off. And then the Cubbies plus 138, I was two cents off. Where does it currently reside, though? At Bet Rivers, the Cardinals have ticked up to minus 167. Cubbies now down to plus 143, total still at 9, a little bit of juice to the under, minus 113. Run line for the Cubs, minus 150 if you want to take the run in the hook. Now, if you want to lay the run in the hook with the Cardinals, it's plus 125. Honestly, don't hate at all the idea of going with the Cardinals on the run line if you don't want to lay minus 167, but I think it's got to be all Cardinals or nothing here. I am tempted because, and I, and I would probably agree with betting the over if anything but maybe the cardinals team total the issue is if they're putting it at five and a half i don't want anything to do with that yeah four and a half seems more about right and that's where it's at uh the over four and a half is minus 121 cubs are at three and a half for total runs the over minus 130 over four and a half huh tempting 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 right now my top play would probably be just finding a way to bet the Cardinals. 
Aside from that, it would be betting this total going over or betting the Cardinals team total over four and a half. Well, let's look a little bit deeper into Kyle Hendricks, why don't we? What has Hendricks done in some of his most recent outings? His last outing, he actually, well, no, I was thinking of the one before. <laughs> his last outing was terrible. Uh, versus Atlanta, they lost 6-0. He gave up 8 hits and 4.1 innings pitched and 6 earned runs. So there's your team total going over right there. The previous one against the Padres wasn't bad. Only one earned run, and then the Cubs lost 12-5. So they ended up giving up a lot more runs. Then uh, you had Milwaukee at home, 6 hits, 3 earned runs. Versus Cincinnati, you gave up four earned runs. Versus Arizona, you gave up seven earned runs. You've had some tough spots where, like, the White Sox, you gave up four earned runs. The Brewers, you gave up six earned runs. The Pirates, you gave up six earned runs. So we know that Hendricks is very liable to giving up a decent amount of runs. That's not breaking news. Do you think the Cubs can get you enough to get over the total, though? That's kind of what I'm getting to. Or do you just single out the Cardinals team total? I'm kind of leaning toward the latter. And not that the Cubs couldn't get there and this Palante guy couldn't give up some runs, but he did pitch well against the Cubs the first go-around. And maybe you only want to re rely on the Cardinals here. And guess what? You know, if you can get three to four runs against Hendricks, you should feel fairly safe that the bullpen will give up another one or two because that's the state of the Cubs bullpen right now and they went to extras yesterday so maybe they're even a little bit weary I guess you could say so nothing official as of this moment gonna be monitoring the market with this game though but like I said very strong lean to the Cardinals and a strong lean to their team total over four and a half I'll revisit that tonight on rush hour but keep that in mind keep that in mind for sure other game, the White Sox and the Orioles. Man, the White Sox fallen victim for nothing to Baltimore last night. Uh, yeah, we kind of leaned White Sox in this game, but the price was way too expensive. Remember, I think I made them like minus 140 or something like that, and the market had them over minus 160. But what we really liked was this probably being a lower scoring game, and it ended up being that for nothing. Didn't bet it. We were just speculating. Tonight could be another lower scoring affair. Maybe. Maybe. Because the wind's blowing in five miles per hour. Not too much, but it is a warmer night. And you got Michael Kopech, who's been solid for the White Sox. You know, the issue with him is that his numbers, if you look deeper, are showing that maybe he should be due for some regression. Now, he's 2-3 and three with a 238 ERA, a 3.495, and a 5.3% home run to fly ball ratio, and a 0.99 whip. And at home, he's been stellar. 1.57 ERA, 158 Woba, and a 278 FIP. So you're like, Danny, what the hell are you talking about? Well, we also like to consider the Sierra, the skill interactive ERA. Looking back, what should his, should have his, uh, what should his ERA have been? Pardon me, can't speak. 438, that's kind of a concerning spot, to be honest. And he is coming off his worst outing of the year. Five innings, seven hits, four earned runs, two of them homers, where they lost 4-3 at Houston. Now, in relative terms to other pitchers, worst outing, that's not too bad. But for Kopech, you need him to be better than that. The Orioles struggled to hit against righties. We talked about it yesterday, and hey, they only got four last night. Kopech has been better at home. I think you kind of throw out the, you don't throw out the Sierra, but there's some spots where you 
where you take it into account and there's some where you could kind of tuck it away to just contain it for a few moments or a night. And this would be one of those nights against an Orioles team that you just lost to. You got to come back, bounce back and win a team that's struggling to hit righties and you're in an environment you're familiar and comfortable with being guaranteed raid field. So you're going against Austin Voth. Now, originally it looked like it was going to be Bradish taking the bump, which would have been almost an automatic fade because he's been terrible. But you're getting Voth, who's only started one game. He's pitched 24.2 innings pitched overall. He's got a 16.7% home run to fly ball ratio, an ERA of 8.39, a FIP of 471. He's got a whip of 203, a 446 BABIP, and a 371 Sierra. So maybe that brings you back down to earth a little bit. But on the road, he's got a, uh, a 10.66 ERA, a 440 WOBA, and then his FIP on the road, 6.29. Nothing really to write home about this guy, all right? So it looks like he may start and then it transitions into a bullpen game. And we know the Orioles have a solid bullpen if that's the case. But even still, the Sox should be able to take advantage of this opportunity in a unique, maybe non-ideal pitching setting for the Orioles. Should bode well for the White Sox in this situation. I open the White Sox minus 154. Baltimore at plus 135 and the total at 9 because if Kopech does have some issues underlying being, maybe Baltimore gets enough on him to push it over and you figure the White Sox can expose both. So that's why I put it at 9. And the reason I didn't make the White Sox a bigger favorite, their bullpen still scares me a little bit, whereas Baltimore's got a really good bullpen and defense. You saw that on display last night. So 154 for the White Sox. Bet Rivers opened a minus 167. And then Baltimore plus 145. I had them plus 135. They had the total at 8.5, although it has ticked up a little bit to 9 you're seeing at Bet Rivers. Thinking it could be a higher scoring affair tonight. Let me get the exact numbers right now. At Bet Rivers, the White Sox have remained at minus 167, and the Orioles still at plus 145. Total, like I said, did tick up to 9. Juice is on the under, minus 122, and the over is plus 104. Run line for Baltimore, if you want to catch a run in the hook, minus 148. White Sox laying a run in the hook, plus 123. Best number I've seen out there on the White Sox is minus 162. I think I'm probably going to play the White Sox in this game. I want to see what the lineup looks like and get more of a understanding of the injuries because... You know the White Sox have been incredibly banged up, so I, I really want to see who they're throwing out there at this point. But this is a game the White Sox need to win. It's not that they should win, it's that they need to win it. Because they're in that territory now to where you can't just afford to drop these games against a team at home like the Orioles. Yeah, you didn't have Luis Robert in the lineup last night, or Angle, or Mendick. Those are the three guys who got injured the day before. At least he had Timmy Anderson back, so hopefully he's in the lineup again, and hopefully you can get Luis Robert back in the mix. Let me double-check the status of Luis Robert and see what we're working with here. Um, Didn't see anything different, so we might have to wait a little bit longer in the day. Yeah, so he's still considered day-to-day and that he could return at some point this weekend. Why not tonight, right? You gave him the night off, cool. Put him back in the mix. And if he's back in the mix there, that should be enough to warrant a bet on the White Sox. Not just because he's in the lineup, but it's another added piece. 
The market's been moving in some other spots away from the White Sox. And this could be another case to where, not that they shouldn't be the favorite, but not that big of a favorite. And which is okay for us if we're looking to back Chicago because then we'll just take advantage of a better bargain on them. So I'll probably be involved with the White Sox in some capacity. The reason that I'm not throwing it out as an official play uh, play right now is because I want to see if we get a little bit of a better number. But I would probably play this one up to minus 165 at the highest. The run line scares me with the White Sox because of their inability to hit righties and because of their bullpen woes. That's why I would err more toward the side of the money line. But should be a good spot for the White Sox tonight. To be quite frank, should be a poor spot for the Cubs. But Hendricks has been known to go off from time to time. Uh, Not as much on the road and probably not against his Cardinals team. But that one, yeah, man. That one I think I'm going to have to bet the over. Over team total for the Cardinals. Very tempting. Or the run line for the Cardinals. That one, if you are looking for money line, same kind of thing. I'd probably go minus 167 at the highest, which is what it, I think it is right now at Bet Rivers, which we just discussed. But I like I like how we're looking for these two games, not necessarily with the prices, but in the sense of there's something there for both. And I probably will get involved with something both, and I'll let you know during Danny's Dimes tonight on Rush Hour. But I'm feeling good about it. Hopefully we can get you some winners. Make sure you tune in 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. Marquee Sports Network, Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, YouTube TV, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts available. And, of course, VSIN.com and the VSIN app. Let me know what you're playing at Danny Burke 5. But I'll give you the official plays on the Best Bets log page on VSIN if you subscribe. And get the email notifications. Not only do you get my bets, but you get everybody's bets. But always appreciate when you check it out. Not only that, but naturally rush hour. Looking forward to a good show. And we still got another segment coming here on the CityCast. Sorry for keeping it long. Just a lot to talk about. But very pumped for our next guest, folks. Chuck Esposito, sportsbook director over at Stations Casino in Las Vegas. Chicago native, diehard fan. We will pick his brain about all things Chicago sports. Stick around. That coming next after this quick break. It is the Chicago CityCast. Here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Baseball is here and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every single Saturday throughout the entire season. Place a three-leg, same-game parlay of at least $25 and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to help you make your perfect combination. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. It's 1-800-426-2537. Alrighty, welcome back to it, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Chicago City Cast. You know me, Danny Burke, your host, and it is time to welcome in a special guest, the Chicago native himself. You've probably heard him on VSIN. He goes all over the place and he's a diehard Chicago sports fan, and that is Chuck Esposito, who is a race and sportsbook director out in Sin City, overseeing all the operations for the station casinos. Chuck, my man, it's been a little bit since you and I have been able to chop it up and talk some Chicago sports. How you been? 
I've been great, Danny. It's uh, great to get on with you and uh, and chat a little Chicago sports. I know we had a lot of fun when you were uh, out here and it's fun chatting off air a little bit about uh, you being close to Lake Michigan and enjoying some of the heat like we get here in Vegas. <laughs> oh, that's for sure, man. Yeah, got a little bit of taste of being back in the desert, except we got the uh, humidity tied in, which isn't ideal. But uh, you know how it goes. You've gotten the best of both worlds for sure. And uh, we love everything you're doing out there in Las Vegas. And you've always been such a great help in terms of all of us at VEASAN and just to our viewers and listeners in general, because what you do is such a great job of kind of just really showing the transparency from behind the book into what betters can understand. And I think what you also bring to the table, which is very valuable, is your fandom. And, and that's why I always love talking with you, especially about all things Chicago, because you're just like any one of us, right? You want to see these Chicago teams succeed. But at the same time, you have to be objective when you're setting these odds and realizing where to move them. And I think that's such a fascinating concept to correlate the two together. And Chuck, you and I would you know, always be talking about it with the Bears, for example. And when you and I were last talking, it was probably when Mitch Trubisky was still in the mix and we were debating who was going to be starting quarterback between him and him or Nick Foles. And you and I were both like, it's going to be Trubisky. And everybody's like, I don't know. And then lo and behold, it ended up starting with him because it was a bet to where who was going to start week one a couple of years ago, I remember. And you and I just nailed that from the start. But, you know, now you look at this Bears team, Chuck, and it's obviously a completely different situation, right? New overhaul from the front office down new quarterback pretty much new everything uh what did you make of what the bears did in terms of just their hiring process with Eberflus and company uh, were you excited about that did you want them to go into a new direction what's kind of your temperature on on that whole alteration with the bears I think I was, Danny. I think when I when you looked at it and, and you kind of saw the past regime and um, you're still kind of looking for an identity there. I think having uh, Coach Eberflus and, and, and Ryan Pohl there now, I think they did what they had to do. And that's kind of tear it down, um, you know, kind of build with some of these young kids, give them an opportunity to play. I think that was kind of one of my biggest gripes last year being a Bears fan, that you had guys like Graham and some other guys that – didn't get an opportunity to play. You drafted these guys. Let's see what they can bring to the table. Um, so I'm excited about it. I think, you know, being a Bears fan, this could be a long season, and I get it. Uh, they're projected to have more cap money next year than any team in the league. Um, I think they've quietly built some some good or put some good players around uh, Justin Fields and especially on defense. Now they drafted defense. They helped that secondary right away. Uh, they've tried to improve that offensive line. Um, it's not going to happen overnight. There's definitely going to be some growing pains. My guess, again, being a Bears fan, but being on this side of the counter, I am going to be able to root for the Bears every week because <laughs> the betters are going to bet against them heavily. Um, but just from the fan side of it, I'm kind of anxious to see what the, the second and third year are. Again, they're going to have a ton of cap money, and they should be able to kind of make some moves next year to maybe land some of those pieces to help a young quarterback in Justin Fields. But again, this regime isn't tied to that. So mm -hmm. if they're a top five pick, they could have the number one pick. I mean, it'll be I'll be curious to see, depending on his progression, where they ultimately go next year in the draft. Yeah, you're right. Having all that cap space is going to be huge for this Bears team. And really the direction they're going to go, you got to think, is based on how Justin Fields performs in a sense. Because this, and I know it's only his second year, and last year you really weren't able to take away too much from him. But this is a huge test for him with the new offense and the expectations a little bit reset as of this point. And, I, you know, Chuck, I don't know how you kind of view Fields, but to me, I was honestly – 
pretty impressed with what he was able to do last year in the sense of what he had to deal with. Like Matt Nagy's offense was abysmal. That offensive line was one of the worst in the NFL. The dude was running for his life on damn near every single play, yet he was still able to make magic happen from time to time. Like Trubisky at least had a little bit more protection in some of the better days of Matt Nagy's scheme. Justin Fields got the worst of it. And you got an Allen Robinson who wasn't even productive. You got to see Darnell Mooney shine, which was great. But I think the expectations we can put a little bit higher for Justin Fields while also cutting him some slack. I look at Fields right now, Chuck, with Getze conducting the offense. And no, you may not have big name receivers, but you didn't. You only lost Allen Robinson, who, again, didn't really bring any value to the table last year. I think he takes a step forward, and I still think he has a way higher ceiling than probably the national media and outside of Bears fans would lead you to believe with Fields. I would totally agree with you, Danny. I think you look at the class uh, that came out this year and he would have been uh, the the first quarterback taken Mm -hmm. off the board, in my opinion. So, I mean, you give him last year, you understand the dynamics of it, the struggles on offense. I mean, thinking back to that first game against Cleveland last year when he was, you know, running for his life and how many times he was sacked. The, the scheme that they put in place didn't give him the the, uh, the proper opportunity to use his skill set and succeed. So although outside of Mooney and, and Cole Komet, who I think he'll take the next step as well, when you've got guys like Pringle and, and St. Brown and Jones in the draft, I still think that you've got enough around him to see well, if he can build some of that rapport. And, and he'll I think he's going to take a step forward. Now, does that necessarily translate to, to wins or a playoff team? Probably not. But I think you want to see that progression so you know that that's an area you don't have to address next year. Yeah, and and I agree with you too. I mean, I, I think this year is all about just improving, uh, improving incrementally. You're not expecting them to make the postseason. You're not expecting them to compete for the division title, but you want to see the competitiveness there. And just really most importantly, I think, because you haven't seen it really ever as a Bears fan, is an offense – that's stepping in the right direction and can be in the ranks of the top offenses in the NFL. Cause that's a direction that the league has moved toward. Now, Chuck, when it comes to looking in the future of the bears from the betting perspective side of things uh, out here in Illinois, and it seems like a lot of spots, the win totals right around six and a half. Where do you guys have that win total posted for the bears currently? We're, we're the same spot, Danny, exactly the same spot. Um, I, I will say though, if you look at week one, which lines have been up for quite some mm-hmm. time, the, the only home dog that is bigger than the Bears week one is the Houston Texans. Mm. So if that kind of puts it into perspective of kind of where we think they are and where the betters feel that they are right now, um, you know, they're almost a, a touchdown underdog right now. It, it is, it's the touchdown without the extra point right now, but it's going to get there. I mean, it, yeah. it, that line is going to go up. We are clearly going to be Bears fans week one. And, you know, I think week one is going to be an early kind of indicator because you're going to have a chance to see kind of Trey Lance maybe in a little bit better situation, but didn't get as much playing time as Justin Fields uh, last year against Justin Fields. So I'm kind of looking forward to that week one. But again, they are the second largest dog, home dog on the board, uh, only behind the Houston Texans week one. 
Yeah, that game one is really fascinating. Like you said, I mean, the 49ers are getting a lot of love and rightfully so when he got a proven coach in Shanahan and the rest of the commodities on that team that can really just suffice in any position. But the jury's still out on Trey Lance, probably more so than Justin Fields. And for them to be laying that much in week one, I mean, you've got all summer to prepare for this week one matchup. And like you said, I, I envision this going to seven as well. And I, I don't know. I mean, and Chuck, you know, us Chicago fans, we like to be pessimistic a lot. And I like to rag on the sports teams here in Chicago when they do <laughs> bad. And a lot of times, rightfully so, like the Bears. But, hey, I feel like taking seven points or more with the Bears because it's week one and you've had that time to prepare and because just maybe the new outlook for the Bears and the momentum and, again, the unknown with Trey Lance, I feel like there's some slight value with the Bears catching a touchdown or more. I would think so, too. I mean, especially if it gets to anything more than a touchdown. Yeah. I think in that case, there's tremendous value. My guess is the Sharps would step in then and take that back. Um, they're going to be a very young team. My guess is Quinn is not on the on the Bears when the season starts. You've got a lot of new pieces there, a new coach. Um, you know, Roquan is going to have to be the guy to Smith to, to really dictate that defense, a young secondary. Um, but you would be going against a very young quarterback who didn't play a lot toward the end of his collegiate career, didn't play a lot in his first year uh, with the 49ers. So you're looking at a guy that's about two years removed from kind of preparing for a week one, um, which is kind of an interesting dynamic. But uh, uh, but I'm telling you, that is going to be one of the bigger games on the board, Danny. We are yeah. clearly going to be rooting for the Bears, which I guess makes it a win-win for me because sometimes <laughs> on my side of the counter, I can't have a favorite team, but I'm pretty sure this year I can. Beautiful. Chuck Esposito joining us here on the Chicago City Cast. He's a racing sportsbook director out in Las Vegas at the Station Casinos. Talking a little bit of Bears, looking forward to the upcoming season. And going back to that win total, Chuck, you were saying how you guys got it posted at six and a half as well. And I was just saying how I'm always kind of ragging on the Bears. And, you know, the past couple of years, I'm typically fading them. And at this point, I feel like I'm the only person saying that if I were to bet the win total, I would actually maybe consider the over. Now, I'm not saying I'm doing it, so I know everybody freaks out when I say that. But the way the schedule stacks up, Chuck, it's actually very favorable. I mean, we just talked about week one, but for example, you got the Texans, you got the Giants that's on the road, but at least you're facing a team like the Giants on the road, uh, the Commanders at home. Uh, you got the Dolphins at home. Obviously, Lions you play the Lions twice. twice. Yeah, exactly. You got the Lions twice, the Falcons, the Jets, and then the Eagles. I, I think, you know, they could be hit or miss. But, you know, Chuck, I think there is an avenue to getting at least seven wins. And I think because everybody and their mother seems to be want to, wanting to bet the under, this could be a situation to where, you know, looking over if they're giving you plus money. I, I don't know. If I had the gun to my head, I think that's where I would go. Yeah, I'm kind of on the fence right now. I want to say that. And, you know, I'm enthused about the young players that they have. It's just you have a lot of young players in that league and on that team. And you're really going to be asking them in a new system to take the next step. Um, I do think Detroit's going to be a much better team. I thought Detroit was one of the better, you know, if not the best last place team in the league last year. They were in so many games. Um, they've got a question mark at quarterback right now as well. Um, is, is, is it going to be golf or are they going to move on? Um, the Bears do have a lot of winnable games there with teams that kind of are in transition as well or toward the bottom. Um, I think the Eagles are going to be a much improved team. Um, I really like what they did in the offseason, and I think that Hurts uh, will take the next step. Um, I'm kind of on the fence if I would go over or under, though, Danny. 
Yeah, I think overall it's probably one I'll stay away from, but maybe a little bit more optimism this season than last just because the new regime and Justin Fields hopefully uh, getting a successful path to developing into a solid quarterback for this season. And, you know, Chuck, I think aside from what the Bears and the Lions may be able to do, because I know no one really cares about them outside of us and, you know, NFC North fans in general, but the Vikings and Packers going head to head. We always talk about it as of late, right? Is this finally the year that Minnesota is going to overcome Green Bay? And honestly, I think this would have to be the year, right? I mean, with Green Bay, you lose Devontae Adams and now Aaron Rodgers has to develop new relationships with young guys, which we know we struggled with developing relationships. But if there's a guy to do it, I'm sure Aaron can figure it out. But furthermore, on the side of Minnesota, I, I, you're finally getting an offensive-oriented coach in Kevin O'Connell. You got Zimmer out of the mix. You still have a star-studded offense. Kirk Cousins can be serviceable. Are they going to be able to avoid digging holes immediately in games? And can the defense be sufficient enough? And I think if you can answer yes to those questions, then the Vikings would be worth some value to win the NFC North. Yeah, I agree with you, Danny. I think the Packers, there have been so many distractions with Rodgers and the Packers over the last couple of years. And and kind of, I think you look at, you know, what Brady's salary has been over the course of that same time frame and, and not quite the same, um, you know, me, 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 where you're mm-hmm. able to still put players around him. And and the fact that, that Rodgers kind of held um, the Packers hostage for, for a long time, um, you know, we really thought going into the offseason he was going to be traded. I mean, we had lowered the Broncos with all anticipation that, you know, with Hackett there, he was going there and they ended up getting Wilson instead. Um, But I think there is a lot of question marks with the Packers that, I mean, you lose arguably one of the top two or three receivers in the entire league in Adams and the relationship he had with with Rodgers. I think with that big contract, there's more pressure on Rodgers. I mean, you think about it. He has won the exact same amount as of NFC, um, you know, NFC championship games as Rex Grossman the exact same amount. So, I mean, the expectation there for Rodgers has been, we're going to win multiple Super Bowls. And I think there's more and more pressure on him every year. And I do think the the, the Vikings now with an offensive minded coach, and, and I love Justin Jefferson. I think he's mm-hmm. a, a budding star. I mean, that offense, if you give him an offensive minded coach who can open it up with what they can do with some of those complimentary pieces and cook, I think uh, Jefferson could have a huge year. But I think, there's, again, there's a lot of pressure on Rodgers again one NFC championship. All right, Chuck, I want to switch over to baseball briefly here is our Cubbies uh, not having the best of years. Not that the expectations for them themselves were that high, but man, it's been even worse. I'm sure than what a lot of people envisioned. And I guess the frustrating part of it is that naturally the front office is telling you, Oh, it's not a rebuilding year, but clearly this wasn't going to be a competing season. And now it's just been getting worse and worse. And it seems like it's getting to that point where a guy like Wilson Contreras is going to be dished off by the all-star break. What's been your sentiment for this team? And what do you kind of expect throughout the remaining uh, months for this season and beyond? I don't really see a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, my big concern and talking to other Cub fans is what is the direction? I, mm-hmm. I just don't get it. I, I, I clearly don't understand where what they're doing. I mean, I would be giving as many young kids an opportunity to play as I could. Um, you know, I look in that division at the Cardinals and um, and Pirates and how it seems like one young prospect after another yes. is coming up and producing and contributing. You're absolutely right about Contreras. There's no he, he's going to be dealt. 
I don't fault the Cubs for what they did in the offseason. I mean, you look at, you know, Chris Bryant. I know he's been hurt, but you should be able to bunt a ball for a home run in Colorado. He still hasn't <laughs> achieved that yet. Although he's missed a lot of games, he has played some home games there. You look at the struggles of Baez. Rizzo's had a resurgence. I'm, I'm, I love Rizzo. He's playing for the best team in baseball with a short porch in right field, a great lineup around him, which really helps him, of course. Um, Schwarber's having a really good year. I understand some of the moves the Cubs made and not wanting to pay those guys those big numbers. I just don't get the direction, Danny. I really don't. When I look at other teams in the division and other teams throughout the league that are getting these young kids up and getting them an opportunity to play, the Cubs just seem stubborn for some reason to get these kids up there a little bit earlier than maybe they should be, but to get them some valuable experience. And we know they've got dough. They just aren't spending it. It's so frustrating. You're exactly right. I mean, you would think based on dishing out those top guys, you're like, all right, well, let's see the progress with some of these prospects. And you put it perfectly like we've been seeing with Pittsburgh and St. Louis. And you know they got the money. They're a top market team. I think Rizzo was even talking about it, saying they should be competing every year. And it's just not happening. And, you know, they went out in the offseason and got a guy, Marcus Stroman, which is fun. It's exciting. A guy you want on your team. But that one almost didn't make sense to me, Chuck, because it's like, all right, why are you dishing so much money to Stroman right now if you're not doing that in other parts? It's kind of like when the Bulls brought on Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo. You're like, cool, that's going to sell tickets, but it's not actually what you need to win. I feel like that's a deal with Stroman. You're there to put uh, people in the seats, but it's not actually going to help the overall scope of your team because the rest of your team's not ready to compete. So paying a lot of money to Stroman isn't really going to help anybody. I really felt the Stroman move was somebody that if he had a good first half of the season, they were strictly strictly going to flip him for mm. more prospects that that's how I kind of looked at it because you're right. It didn't make any sense. You know, I'd love to see him lock up Willie. I think he's he's young enough and he's the heart and soul of that team right now. And as they bring some some young pitchers up, I would say maybe that's the only thing that you can maybe there's a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. They've let some of these young pitchers, even who have struggled a little bit, get some innings, get some valuable experience, which we know how important pitching is. And I think that will help them later in the season and next year, because you've given some of these young pitchers an opportunity. But after that, it is a major head scratcher to me. All right, Chuck, before we get you out of here, last baseball topic, the White Sox have been uh, arguably even more frustrating out here in Chicago just because they are actually a team that had World Series expectations. But now we're not even sure if they're going to come out on top of their division or make the postseason. And we're seeing around here you could get them about plus 175 or better to win the division. I took them when they were like minus 110 a month and a half ago and thinking that they would eventually get healthier. The schedule is going to get easier. And I don't know. I mean, they just can't hit righties. They only dominate lefties and their bullpen has been a mess. Is this a team that maybe one that you still have high hopes for? And two, do your betters out there in Vegas still have high hopes for? I feel like people may still be counting on the White Sox to turn it around. I think I probably, you know, like them more than than the betters and a lot of people do right now. They're only two games below 500. I think one of the encouraging things is that they have a, a winning record on the road. Uh, they have had a ton of injuries. I mean, it, if yeah. it's been Jimenez or Roberts or Anderson or or um, uh, Liam Hendricks, I mean, if they could get healthy and put it all together, I still think it's a division that they can win. I think they're a team that would be active at the trade deadline. 
Um, I'm not ready to hit the panic button with them yet. I think, you know, uh, the Guardians and Twins have been playing really good. Guardians 8-2 and two in their last 10. Uh, twins have started to come back down to earth a little bit. I think the key for the Sox is just to get kind of healthy. And, you know, you don't normally win uh, divisions in, in April and May. We're in June now. Uh, let them start playing some better ball and get healthy. I think they'll still be a major player in the American League Central, in my opinion. Grayson Sportsbook Director at Station Casinos out there in Las Vegas. Chuck Esposito, ladies and gentlemen. Chuck, appreciate you making some time. Always love talking everything Chicago sports with you. And hopefully we can do it again soon, my friend. Sounds awesome, Danny. Love it as well. And uh, look forward to chatting with you again real soon. Okay, there you have it, folks. That was Chuck Esposito hopping on the Chicago City Cast, bringing incredibly valuable information regarding the Bears, Cubs, and the White Sox. We'll try to get Chuck on as frequently as possible throughout the summer, but especially during the football season, right? You want to get an odds maker's perspective, and we always love getting that Chicago tie as well. So big shout out to Chuck. Hopefully you enjoyed that interview as much as I did Catching up with Chuck again. It had been a little bit, so uh, happy to talk with my pal out there in Las Vegas. Well, that'll about do it for us here on the CityCast. But remember, you can get more content tonight, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, with my show Rush Hour. We'll be going throughout the Stanley Cup Finals tonight. Nick Alberga, a.k.a. The Golden Muzzy. That's his Twitter handle, folks. But um, he's our betting analyst uh, that hops on all the time on Rush Hour. So looking forward to his thoughts for Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Finals. And I'll let you know if I'm looking to hedge out of our series bet or anything. And uh, yeah, we'll talk a little bit of UFC as well. And then we'll get into my baseball thoughts and more into hockey. So tune in tonight. Plenty more to be discussed on this Friday evening. Until Monday, best of luck with all your wagers. And take care, folks.